Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome your sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day intensive workshop for men seeking to overcome sexually addictive behaviors. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery. Your experts have over 35 years of combined experience. Read testimonials of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. I want to personally invite you to be part of our next intensive coming up July 11th through the 13th. So call us today at 1-800-49-PURITY or visit gatewaymen.com. Welcome to Pure Sex Radio, training men, educating women. Are you ready to get real and start living each day in purity? This dynamic program is designed to educate, encourage, and equip listeners with the tools necessary for living a life of sexual purity. Pure Sex Radio brings you the best in mobile talk radio. Listen to real-life struggles, learn how to overcome lust, pornography, and sex addiction, and get serious about purity. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pure Sex Radio Broadcast. We're glad to have you here with us. My name is Jonathan, and we've got uh, the second part of our uh, two-part broadcast on the Becoming a Man of Purity, Passion, and Purpose. This was just the session one that I had done a few years ago uh, on purity. And so in last week's broadcast, we looked at the first two pillars of the four pillars of purity. And this broadcast, we're going to wrap it up with the final two pillars So we'll pray that you'll be encouraged and challenged by this week's program. The third pillar is to relate with God. Relate with God. Now this is more than simply being in a relationship with God. We we come to be in a relationship with God simply through faith in Jesus Christ, period. That is how we are connected to God. That is how we become a child of God. But did you know every single believer, and this is something that, honestly, I didn't, I didn't realize until I started my recovery. When I was a kid, nobody had ever explained to me that not every child of God has the same degree of intimacy with God. I just thought, well, child of God, that's all, that's all, that's all you need. Sort of when you're a child of God, you just, you're just magically close to God, right? Because you're a child of God. But as I got into recovery, and certainly as I started having my own children... I began to understand something different about simply being a child versus being close to God. Listen, all of my children are my children. There's nothing that can change that fact. They will always be my children. But you know what? Closeness is a whole nother deal. Them being my child is simply a fact that cannot be changed. 
But intimacy is this thing that can kind of go back and forth. How close we are to one another, whether we're growing in that relationship, whether they are growing in their obedience and respect to me, all of that is this fluctuating thing within the realm of them being my child that they can't change. Same is true with God. When I talk about relating with God, it's more about saying, are we growing close to God? Is it, is it more than just having magical thinking and thinking that because I'm a child, I'm automatically close to God? We actually need to grow in our closeness to God. There is a direct correlation between our growing in closeness to God and our sexual purity. I, I, you know, I cannot tell you how much this matters to my sexual purity. Now, this isn't true of everybody because some guys have, have other things. I, I think it's generally true. But for me specifically, this is the barometer for how well I'm going to do in my purity. Meaning, the time that I spend in this word, the time that I spend with God in His word, for me, has been the barometer. If, if you want to know how I'm doing in my sexual purity, ask me how I'm doing in my time in the Word. Because for me, that has been the one-to-one variable about how well I'm doing. And I say that's not always true for everybody because some guys have different, different ways in which they connect with God. Obviously, we, we need to, the Word to connect with them. But some guys, their prayer life is the one-to-one connection on how they, you know, their barometer or whatever. Um, but for me, this has been the, the barometer. But it's not simply me opening this up and reading some words and then going on with my day. The way this has been the barometer is when I, this is the visual image that I have or the picture that I have whenever I open the word, when I'm, when I'm wanting to actually connect with God. Because sometimes, I'll be honest with you, open this because I simply want to study it. There's nothing wrong with that. But when I open it because I want to connect with God, I literally picture the mouth of God opening when I do this. Am I going to have fellowship with the King of Kings? Am I going to actually listen to Him? This is the mouth of God opening up to me. What does He want to say to me? Not what do I want to try to pick out of here for my day today that's going to be the thing that I think I need. No, what does He want to say to me today? And it's, so it's personal. That to me is the key to this pillar. Don't think about it in terms of, okay, it's my time to study God today. No, it's your time to connect with your Father today. That is so critical. So one of the key things to doing this, obviously the Word, the Word is huge. But think about it. I try to always simplify things because I I think in simple terms. How do we connect with another human being? How do we connect in relationships? Well, you got to talk, right? Talking is essential to building a deep, close, intimate relationship. You know, I mentioned that I met my wife at a campus ministries progressive dinner. We had maybe a 15-minute, 20-minute conversation there. What would be the likelihood of me not only having a relationship, but developing a relationship with her if I never spoke to her after that moment? Zero, right? (laughs) There's zero probability that that's going to happen. Why do we actually think it's any different with God and developing intimacy with Him? Why do we think that we can go days, months, years even without talking to him and think that we are going to grow closer to him. We need to talk to him. And we simply do that through prayer. You know, I've always, I always struggled with talking to God because I thought, well, he's invisible. I've never heard him. I've never seen him. I mean, how do you talk to somebody like that? 
And, I, you know, through prayer is how we do that. But then I was always scared as a kid about prayer because I thought, I can't, I'll never be able to do it right. Thankfully, God has uh, reformed my understanding of prayer. And really, you know what prayer is? It's taking all the stuff in here and pointing it in the direction of God. That's why I think when Paul said to pray without ceasing, he wasn't saying, have, you know, do your Tim Tebow and be down on one knee and, and like be praying in, in, in that physical posture of bowed head and closed eyes. No, he was saying you pray without ceasing because you've got everything that's going on in here continually in a state of being pointed towards God. And there's this constant sort of dialogue going on in your spirit to him. And the reason I say you take this and just point it to him is because I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things that go on in here that I can't actually wrap a word around. I don't know if you ever have that problem. And there's stuff that goes on in here, and I go, I, I don't know what word to even describe what I'm feeling, what's going on in here. The good news is the Bible tells us that Christ himself will intercede for us. If you don't know what to say, it's cool. He knows what to say to the Father. The issue is whether or not we're going to have that pointed in his direction. Because when it is, then we are growing in intimacy with God because we're talking to him. Another thing that we need to do in order to relate with God is we need to listen to him. Listen to him. This is a little bit more challenging, I think, because I have never heard an audible voice. I'm not saying he never does that anymore. I mean, God can choose however he wants to speak to you. By the way, if you see a handwriting on the wall, it's usually not a good thing, okay? So don't ask for that. But God still wants to speak to us, and God still does speak to us. But oftentimes, it's not in the way that we think or in the way that we want. We want, you know, the clouds to form a word, our cereal to, you know, turn into a word. We want those kind of things because it's so crystal clear, right? But keep in mind, God is wanting a personal closeness. He's wanting to develop intimacy. And you know, you know how I think he prefers to do that? By whispering to us. You know, those of you guys who are married, if you have a close, intimate, emotional, sweet moment with your wife, is it like this? Honey, I really love you. I think you're awesome. Man, I think you're great. No, it's usually not like that, right? It's usually you're snuggled up, you're quiet, sometimes not even words, but you're communicating and you're whispering. You know, we call it sweet nothings, right? You're whispering things in each other's ears. That's the picture I get when I think of what God is wanting to do in our lives. He's whispering to us. Sometimes the reason that we think we can't hear God is because we have too much noise in our lives. You know, when I first started my recovery, I went four years without a television in my house. I went for two years without a computer at all. Not not just not internet, no computer. I was turning down the noise in my life. And then something happened. I turned down all this external noise and I started realizing there's a lot of internal noise going on. Because when you start trying to get quiet with God and you're saying, I really want to develop a prayer life and I really want to hear from God, you realize, okay, I don't have a radio on, I don't have a television on, and then all of a sudden this crescendo of noise comes up in your head about all your daily activities and all this kind of stuff, the meeting I'm going to have, blah, blah, blah. And you start realizing it's going to be a discipline to grow close with God. Don't be afraid of that word, discipline. Discipline does not mean you're a legalist, okay? (laughs) God wants us to be disciples. Part of that word is discipline. There are disciplines involved. Just don't get latched onto the discipline, but let the discipline take you to the relationship. 
to growing closer with God. Prayer is a discipline. It's something that's going to take work. But it's worth it. Because I don't think there's any sound sweeter than you can hear than the God of the universe whispering in your ear, whispering instructions, whispering his affection, whispering his desires for you, whispering to you things like, you know what, you don't have to give in to those temptations. I have a better way for you. My way is always sweeter. It doesn't come with any baggage attached to it. Every time you say yes to me, you'll be glad you did. I mean, just things like that where he just keeps whispering to us. One other thing about relating with God that I think is important to mention here is worship. I think worship is essential. Um, Sometimes, you know, to me, the astounding thing about God's grace is that it's through His grace that we are now called friends of God. Now that, that should blow you away. I mean, that... By the way, that was a radical statement that Jesus made when he said to his disciples, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. It's like, whoa, 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 you're claiming to be the Son of God. And by you saying that to us, you're saying we are friends with God. You have to realize this was in a Jewish context in which they would not even speak the name of God because of the reverence that they held for just the name of God. They wouldn't even write it all out. They had to go through ceremonial cleansing to be able to just write the letters to the name of God when they were transcribing the scrolls. And then here's Jesus saying, listen, I'm, I, am the, I am the ambassador of God because I am God and I'm calling you a friend. That's profound. But you know what? As profound as that is, that does not change the majesty or the glory of God. He is not like us. He is so far beyond our comprehension and understanding. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so worship is a posture that I think we need to be in as we seek to grow closer with God. As amazing as grace is, that it affords us the ability to come to the throne with confidence to ask for help. We still need to remember that when we come to that throne, we come to the throne of the one who sits there who is God of the universe. Sometimes to help me understand this and to help me keep perspective on how small I am in comparison to the God of the universe, we were talking about this at breakfast around the table, about the galaxies and about the universe. Well, I heard Louis Giglio give a presentation one time, and he was talking about galaxies, and he was talking about the stars. And at that point in time, the largest star that had been discovered was a star named Canis Majoris, which is a big old star. To put it into perspective, because you kind of have to have things to measure it against, think about how big our Earth is and how small you are, you and I are, on, on this planet. Well, our sun, which is a star, is quite a bit bigger than this planet, of which we are very, very tiny on. In other words, and in fact, if you wanted to fill the sun with the Earth, you'd need about a million Earths in order to fill the sun. Well, by the time you get up to Canis Majoris, our sun is imperceptible in size against Canis Majoris. You'd need five and a half quadrillion Earths to fill Canis Majoris. That's million, billion, trillion, quadrillion. Now, you get to certain numbers, and my mind goes, you know. To give you another perspective of how big that star is, if you started flying a 737 jetliner at 600 miles an hour along the equator of that star, You're flying in one direction at 600 miles an hour. In order for you to go around that entire star and get back to the place that you started, you'd have to be flying for 11 billion years. 
You know what's really cool, though? Psalm 33 tells us how that star was created. Psalm 33 tells us that God breathed out the stars. Canis Majoris was made when God went, that is the God that we worship. But that's also the God who says, I want a personal, close, intimate relationship with you. So we need to talk to him. We need to listen to him. We need to worship him. And in that, we will begin to relate with God on a much closer, intimate level. Don't make God simply a study project. He is your father in heaven who wants an intimate relationship with you and who is the only one who knows how our lives are to be lived correctly because he's the one who made us. He's the one who designed life. He's the one who breathed life into Adam and he became a living being. He knows how life is lived and he knows how a life of purity is to be lived. So we need to grow close with him. Finally, we need to engage others. Engage others. There's community, accountability that we need. Accountability is one of those words that just kind of, um, I don't know, it gets sort of a bum rap in, in Christian circles a lot of times. As soon as guys even hear the term accountability, they start to kind of cringe because they go, oh, I've done that before, you know. And in their mind, a lot of times guys think, oh, yeah, accountability, that's where I go. Yeah, I meet some guy at Chili's and uh, sit across the table from a guy that I sort of maybe have met two or three times at church and you know, I tell him all the ways that I failed this week. He tells me all the ways he's failed this week. We slap each other around a little bit and say, you know, do better next week. Okay, see you back next Thursday. Ugh. I don't know about you, but I don't want anything to do with that. I mean, that's, that's, not, that's not for me. In fact, I don't even think that's the way God would describe accountability. I think of accountability in biblical terms as building faithful friendships. We're to be faithful friends. We're already brothers in Christ. But you know what? God wants us to grow in unity and faithfulness to one another. Yeah, that means there's going to be times that we've got to kind of, boom, pop each other in the nose a little bit because some of, some of us, uh, you know, are getting off track or wandering. But here's the thing. I think more often than not, what is going to be most effective in those relationships is dealing with one another out of grace and love. If your accountability, if you are developing accountability relationships with guys with any other foundation other than love, then you have, I think you have the wrong motivation for holding one another accountable. We don't hold each other accountable because we're angry with one another or because we say, oh, let me show you all the ways you're doing things wrong. Let me show you all the ways you're doing things wrong. No, we don't do that. We do that because we love one another because I think that's the model that God sets for us. In Hebrews, when he says that he disciplines us, who does he discipline? He disciplines those he what? Loves. Guess what God's motivation is for correcting us? It's love. It's not law or legalism or anything. It's because he says, I care about you. You're too valuable to me. Well, if we're brothers, why can't we say the same thing? I care about you. You're too valuable to me as a brother in Christ to let you keep going down that road. Now, I will actually put these two right here, relate with God and engage others on an equal plane. On an equal plane. And we'll talk about that a little, bit, a little bit later because I really believe God even does that. He puts them on an equal plane, growing in intimacy with God and growing in faithfulness to one another. We need that, uh, those to be equal. Now, I want to tell you one other thing about, about engaging others that I think is important as far as just getting a picture of what this looks like. 
you know, as I go around the country and speak to men's ministry groups, it's fascinating to me how common, there, there's one verse in the Bible that is like the most common men's ministry, like theme verse out there. And it's Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. You guys know what that is? As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And it's great. I mean, it's an awesome theme verse for men's ministry, right? A lot of times we don't think through the imagery, though. Imagine that I had two 18-inch iron rods. They're rounded. They're half-inch rounded iron rods. I need to put a sharp edge on both of them, but I can only use the other rod to do that. Now, how does that imagery change? First of all, what am I going to have to do? I'm going to have to start rubbing them together, and probably in about five minutes I'll have sharp edges, right? No, you're going to have to keep rubbing and rubbing and rubbing. And not only that, you're going to have, what, what is this creating? It's creating heat and friction. There's pressure. Wherever there is an imperfection in either one of those rods, what's going to happen? A spark's going to fly. Now that starts to show you a different kind of imagery, right? And, and here's, the, here's the key to that whole imagery. What is the likelihood or probability that a sharp edge will get on either of those rods if they stop coming together? Zero, right? That is what true accountability is. That is what engaging others is. It's building true community. It's saying, listen, we're going to keep pressing into each other's lives as men because we care too much about each other to not come together. We're going to keep pressing in even when there's sparks flying, even when there's pressure created, even when there's friction and heat, disagreements, whatever. We're going to keep pressing together because we know as we keep pressing together, we are both becoming useful tools and weapons in the hand of God. Both of us benefit when we keep pressing together. But what ends up happening a lot of times, especially when it comes to purity, growing in sexual purity, guys do what I call group hopping. You know, whether it be in a support group or whether it be just a men's group. They get into a group, you know, through this rounded iron rod. They get into a group, they start, they start pressing into each other, they start pressing into the word, and next thing you know, whether in the word or whether with another guy, a spark flies. And unfortunately, too many guys falsely assume they or somebody else or the word is doing something wrong. Because, hey, sparks aren't supposed to fly. I mean, we're good, Christian, nice men, right? There shouldn't be any sparks. And yet, so what they end up doing is they're saying, something must be wrong because there's too much heat and there's some sparks going on here. So I'm going to go over to another group or I'm going to go to another church or I'm going to do something else. And what we end up having in the church is we have a bunch of half sharpened rods that are good for nothing. They're not good for harvesting a field. They're not good for fighting a battle. They're just not good for anything. And so I'm going to encourage you that this is so critical to becoming a man of purity. There's going to be heat. There's going to be friction. But you've got to keep pressing in. Conveniently, this spells out pure. And that's so that it will be easy for you each and every day to think, you know, am I being a man of purity? Am I walking pure today? Have I professed the struggle? Have I, have I confessed, you know, that I'm weak? I try to have that be the first thought that enters my mind every morning when I wake up. I'm weak and I need help. I want that to be like the theme of every day of my life. I'm weak and I need help. And so we need to, we need to, we need to set the stage with that. But we also need to say, understand triggers. Am I growing in awareness of where I'm weak so that I can boast in that that the power of Christ may rest on me there? It's okay to examine yourself to find out more about your weaknesses, but not for the sake of wallowing in shame or saying, look at how pitiful. The point is to say, I want to really fully understand my weaknesses so that I can invite the power of Christ to rest on me in that place. 
And then we also need to relate with God and engage others. What are we doing today to connect with God and grow with him in intimacy? But also, what are we doing today to say, I'm not going to live isolated and disconnected. I'm going to live in community today, both with God and with other people. Guys, these pillars, they form a guarantee. If these four pillars are in your life on a daily basis, you can't not be a man of purity. I promise you, if you are... If you are engaging in sexual sin today, one of these is out of whack. One of these you've stepped away from. Generally, it's going to be these two down here, the community ones. We've isolated ourselves. We've disconnected. And so these are really critical. If you can think in those terms each and every day, then you're going to walk in purity. There's one final thing I want to share with you to close out this session. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 4. This was an absolutely revolutionary concept to me when I first started my recovery. It blew me away. This may, be, it, this may be super simple for a lot of you guys, but for me, it was profound. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is the, uh, this is the passage that a lot of uh, youth ministers and parents love to bring out with their kids. Because, you know, a lot of times, what do, we, what do we ask ourselves? What's God's will for my life, Right? Well, this is spelled out very clearly, but that's not even the part I want to look at, but we will read it. Verse 1 says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. This is the will of God. Abstain from sexual immorality, right? This next verse, though, is what absolutely hit me and transformed my entire view of sexuality. Verse 7 says, For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Guys, that was, that was radical for me. Now, it may be so simple for some of you guys, but for me it was so radical because I had so immersed myself in sexual sin for so long that I just thought, well, I guess that's who I am. And I hear that all the time from guys. That's just who I am. Boys will be boys. Men will be men. That's the way guys are wired. But that's the way we are. So much so that you just start to believe that's how men are to live. And what this verse is saying is just the opposite. This verse is actually saying, you and I are made for purity. We are made for purity. God created us for purity sexually. That just radically transformed everything for me. Because it no longer became about, oh man, I really got to try to resist it. I really got to try to not do that. Oh man, because I really got to deny who I am was how it felt like before because I just come to believe that's who I am. I'm just this impure guy. Instead, it became more like when temptation would come, it's like, that's not who I am. I wasn't made for that. It turned everything on its head. It reversed everything. Rather than saying, oh, I've just got to deny who I am, it's gotta, it was more like, no, I got to be more of who I am. I was made for purity. And I think of it this way. You know, a lot of us, we got, we got vehicles out here. 
most of which I'm assuming still run on gas. How well would they run if, let's say after this session, okay, Robert, let's say I go out to your truck, and after this session, I go siphon all your gas out, and I fill your gas tank with sand. First of all, how would you feel about that? I would feel disgusting Yes, okay. <laughs> We'd have some sparks flying, right? <laughs> then if you got in your truck, how well is it going to run? It won't. Why? That engine was not designed to run on the fuel of sand. That's what this verse is saying. You and I, as children of God, as men made in the image of God, we were not made to run on impurity. We were not made to run on our lust. We were not made to run on porn or any other sexual sin. That's sand. That's putting sand into the engine of our lives. Instead, this is saying we were made to run on the very holiness or purity of God. That's the fuel that runs our lives. So you know how that's changed how I see temptation? If I see that billboard or there's that you know, television ad or whatever, I go, sand, 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 sand. I could put that in my life, but just like Robert's truck, you know what, it's going to get all gunked up, it won't run right, it's going to be a heck of a hard task to clean it all out, right? So why not just not put that in my life and instead run on what I was made to run on, the very holiness of God? And I'm telling you, when you do that, there's incredible satisfaction, there's peace, you run like a dream. I mean, it's just awesome how your engine runs when you're running on the holiness of God. And the momentum that you gather, you can start to carry, you can gather other people around you and say, come on, this is the ride you want to be on because you're sitting there pushing your truck that's got sand in it. I'm flying down the highway. Wouldn't you rather do that? Yeah, so put the right fuel in your engine. And when you do that, you will run like a dream. That's all the time we have for this week's broadcast. We're glad you've been with us, and we look forward to having you back here again next week on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com. Pure Sex Radio.